the birthplace of the Bohemian Revolution from Cowork 591 Studios. This is the Steve Brown Arts Center Podcast Network with co-host Dale Reber and producer Blake Tempest. I'm Jim Gillespie, and this is the Jessup News for August 28, 2023. And gentlemen, it's hotter than the hubs to hell. That's right. The hubs of hell. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I had not heard that, but that sounds pretty hot to me. So uh, Today's show is sponsored by Dr. Tom Beller and Darlene Beller of Kansas City, Missouri. Thank you for your sponsorship, um, and thank you for your listenership. On today's podcast, we talk about winners and losers. Dale has a couple unique ones. We, uh, we were scheduled to have on Harold Clayton. For those of you that see Harold, um, <laughs> he he says he will be on next week, so prod him a little bit, please. Um, he he has a lot to talk about about his time his time out in, out in the uh, the Rockies. Uh, he, some pretty neat stories. I talk about the Alcator Art in the Park um, program. We look at the events inside the Steve Brown Arts Center. We give you the top stories in Jessup. We discuss service and art. And perhaps there will be one other event that we'll share with you as we as we go. The Steve Brown Arts Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has a vision for artists, young and old alike, to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build the skills of those around them. It will be offering community programming starting in Jessup. Before expanding to neighboring communities, programming will include a community speaker series that will showcase existing creatives who reside within the community, as well as a pop-up series that will spotlight and partner with local businesses to provide opportunities for the community engagement. At the end of the day, our vision is to house a rural artist residency program for professional and emerging artists in all areas, the arts and the humanities. Artists will be offered accommodations and studio space in exchange for a contribution of labor and maintenance. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Building and grounds, we have fans. Just like the Today Show, all those people behind the window. I didn't recognize him, Dale. Did you recognize (laughs) him? I don't know. He had a cap and a beard. That's all I know. He's friendly, so it wasn't it wasn't Jason O, was it? it was I, I, don't, I, Jason don't, o. I don't I don't know. Um, it's a dark window, you know, and it's dark outside, yeah. and so I couldn't tell. But uh, he was friendly, so <laughs> not like some of the crowd we get, you know. But, <laughs> All right, Dale. So let's go right at it. Let's go to the winners and losers of the week. Let's talk winners first. Okay, winner. I'm gonna. She, and I'm not going to give her name, but there's a, a, a lady at church, and she has been painfully shy as, since she was a child about speaking in front of groups. And she said having to do book reports in school, which is pain and agony for her. But she has decided to try to overcome this. And she's, a, I say, like a young grandma age. But she's decided to try to overcome this. So she talked to the pastor. And so every now and then uh, during the service, she'll go up uh, and read the scripture for the day. And then uh, this past week, uh, there was a small group meeting, uh, six or seven high school kids and a few adults, and she actually uh, spoke to them. She had three pages, and she was uh, still nervous about just talking, but she read what she had written. Uh, it was a kind of a personal statement kind of thing. She did just really, really well, and I'm just so proud of her. And I keep thinking, okay, what is there that I could work on, even though I'm older, 
there's probably something that I could work on to improve myself. And I really admire this woman for, at, at her age, deciding she had enough of this and she was going to uh, overcome it. And so I think that's really great. And so she's my winner for this week. Do you, do you set goals, Dale? Actually, no. My wife has been after me for 50 years now because I don't set goals. Uh-huh. Uh, just whatever happens, happens, you know. Right. Uh, no, I, I very seldom set goals. One of, one of the goals we have at the Steve Brown Arts Center is to have a, a place where artists are living by 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, talked to an, uh, I talked to an artist that, that did a residency here, um, not here in, I, in Jessup, but did a residency in Iowa this past summer, um, a month-long residency on a farm. Mm-hmm. And it, it was very neat, actually. Yeah. So, so, um, but that's that's one of our goals is to have a building where where artists can live in residence yeah, by I the twenty by twenty four. Yeah. So, by December of twenty four actually is our goal. So, um, I do think of one goal I ha- I wanted to catch a forty inch muskie. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Wisconsin and I hired a guide and we went out and we fished all day. And I caught one fish and it was a forty two inch muskie and I was oh, just proud wow. as punch. So I, I didn't meet my goal that day. So. I, I went the first mm, 50, 52 years of my life, never caught a northern. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to go, I, I, I was prodded Seth Siebert, rest, him, rest his soul. Um, I wanted him to take me, because I knew how good outdoorsman Seth was. Mm-hmm. Um, wanted him to take me northern fishing. And he he was always taking his boys northern fishing on the river, and I I kept after him to give me a give me a call when he goes with the boys, and and you know he he I'm sure he would get off work and say the boys let's go fishing, and they yeah. would go, and you know they didn't have time to babysit me, but but uh, finally what I did was um, I. I went out and I bought the lures that worked for northern. Mm-hmm. And I started fishing the Wapsie for Northern, and and uh, lost first couple, and uh, my greatest day was so I just put in the water. I, I got out of school, went home, changed clothes, put my kayak in, and went upstream probably about quarter of a mile. And first time it hit the water, I, I had a huge Northern on. Broke the line, mm-hmm. so I put on the same lure, set, set my pole down with the lure hanging in the water, and started repositioning myself. And all of a sudden, my pole <laughs> started to go down. Grabbed my pole, and he broke that line, so I lost that one. Yeah. Well, then I tie on another lure, the same one. And I finally got him on the. But that was three yeah. times yeah. in a row. Yeah. No, I, I love fishing for northern. Oh, just, it's I, fun. I find that a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So. And my my winners my winners mm-hmm. are the educators throughout our country as they prepare for another year. Yeah. Um, they're they're back. They they spend the first uh, about August first. They start going back a few hours a day in their room. They they. Uh, they give a lot of free hours, Dale. Oh, to, always have, yeah. They have to to to, yeah. to their classroom, to their school, to to their their students, and now they're back. Yeah. And 
it is, uh, as I said earlier in our introduction, it's hot out there. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so, but they are they are my winners for for this week. Good group of people. And who's your loser? Oh, my loser is. Uh, there's an old saying: if you strike a king, you must kill him. And there's a man named Prigozhin, and I'm probably not saying that right, who uh, led a short-lived rebellion against Putin in Russia. And he uh, cut it off before he got to Moscow. And uh, they said that he was getting amnesty in this country and that country and this sort of thing, but no one has seen him for a while. Well, today, Putin announced that uh, this man was in an airplane that kind of accidentally got shot down or whatever. Yeah. And so this man is now dead. And uh, I think everybody in the world familiar with this knew that he was dead as soon as he didn't finish the job uh, a few months ago with that little uh, rebellion he had tried to start. And so uh, he's my loser, uh, my loser of the day. And you were telling Edward that his cohort, someone who worked with him, was also on that plane, the other, another leader, and was also killed. I so, believe the uh, guy's name is Utzin, uh, U-T-Z-I-N. Okay. No, no, ladies and gentlemen, Dale isn't <laughs> blessing me. Yeah, so. um, but Utzin is his name. He's about 54 years old, and his code name in the Wagner group was actually Wagner. He, oh. he was a founder. Okay. This Utsin. Okay. Um, but but pro 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 Zignan, Yeah. Pro Progassian. Pro 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 kind of um on 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 the on the social media he he sent out a videotape yesterday it was it was posted um from Africa. Mm -hmm. Um the the Russians do a lot in Africa to stir stir up uh Unrest. There yeah. are. Yeah, I know that. There are about thirty wars going on in the African continent right now, mm -hmm. and the Russians have a lot to do with. It's funny they don't. You know, they will stir it up, but they don't do anything to, to make it better once they've stirred it up. Yeah. It's, it's not like the old days of communism where, they tried to spread communism. Mm -hmm. to the, yeah. So. No, I don't think communism. It's not talked about like the leaders in the 50s talked about communism right. and what they were going to do with it and everything. The, the, he's just a dictator. More, and there's, you know, the communist part is, because is, I think there's a lot of enterprise in Russia. Otherwise, they wouldn't be surviving. My loser, my loser is the poor folks working outside during this heat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, it, as yeah. we as we walked in, we're taping this at eight thirty on Wednesday night, the the twenty third, and the railroad guys have been laying tracks and working on the tracks for weeks up and down from Waterloo to Independence, mm -hmm. and these last two days have to be terrible outside. Yeah, they are not the losers, but their their job. Their, their job is so hard it can't be it can't be an easy job for them right no. now no I'm sure it isn't all right um the I was, I was gonna look this up and then I, I heard just in the background when I was at home that in independence someone had found a 1903 picture of Teddy Roosevelt who was speaking in independence on a like from a it was on a train tour campaign oh really yeah and they were gonna put it in the museum or something, I'm not sure it's the railroad museum or what. I'm sorry, I keep doing that. But uh, I was going to try to find that. It was on, I think, the Channel 7 News, and I never went back to pick it up. I just heard it in the background. So that's what we need to look into, because that's, that sounds, sounds very interesting. That uh, 
Um, here, here's news of the Steve Brown Arts Center. The Steve Brown Arts Center volunteers at the tour, Tourism Center um, the last Thursday of every month mm -hmm. um, from 12 until 4. Yeah. Um, and they, they will close it for the winter here in October. Mm -hmm. but, but it is open every week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, Jill, Jill was here and she talked about that and and they convinced me to uh, to set that up but that'd be interesting if they put that picture in the yeah in the railroad yeah that would be yeah I'm not sure I'd, I I should go back and I also was going to tell you that uh, you know, Mr. Bass yep Jacob. does the volunteer program and my wife did uh, was a reading buddy in the Waterloo school system this last year well she got a letter uh, from them and saying that Mr. Bass is setting up a reading buddies program, <clears throat> excuse me, at Jessup. And if she is interested in doing that, she should give him a call. And he had said something when he was here about right. uh, expanding into that sort of thing. So I'm glad to see that that's working out for him and yeah. he's looking for people to be reading buddies up at the elementary school here in Jessup. And so if that's something anybody's interested in, why it's a, a neat thing to do uh, to help kids out. Yeah, it is. I oh, and I the name of that program escapes me. What the name of the yeah? There's got to be. I don't know. She just called it Reading Buddies. Yeah, but it's it has a more formal name also. But uh, if you call Margie up at school, I'm sure she could set you up. More than that. likely, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. or contact Mr. Bass because he's the one that I guess is organizing this. Right. And so the library news for the the week, Dale. Um, Little Todd Store Time is every Thursday at 10.30 a.m. for songs and stories and more. Spice Club, the August Spice is still lavender. Um, by now, they have to be running out of that. It's to, at, the, at the front desk. The Monday movie is um, today at 1 o'clock. This drops at 10, so you still have time to get there. It's called Supercell. I'm not familiar with that. So You are familiar not with Not familiar. It? A natural disaster <laughs> film about tornadoes, hurricanes, oh. high winds, and hail. Okay. Follows the story as a teenage son of Storm Chaser, Bill Brody, who runs away from home to chase storms. Starring Alec Baldwin, Ann Hetchy, and Skeet Ulrich. Rated PG-13, it runs one hour and 40 minutes. Free popcorn and water. Kids used to run away from home to join the circus, and now they're <laughs> becoming storm chasers. So, uh, don't forget that the uh, it is, the library will be closed for Labor Day weekend. The Jessup Public Library will be closed in observance of Labor Day weekend on Saturday, September second, and Monday, September fourth. Early out Wednesday programming, the Jessup Public Library is again partnering with ISU Extension to provide programming on Early Out Wednesdays during the 23-24 school year. Our first event is Wednesday, September 6th at 1.30 p.m. Pre-registration. Remember this, parents. Pre-registration is required for each activity. More details are coming soon. The book club, Finding Chica, by Mitch Elbum, is available to pick up at the library. Um, the book club will meet Monday, September 18th at 1 p.m. Chica June was born three days before the devastating earthquake that decimated Haiti in 2010. Chica was brought to the Have Faith Haiti Orphanage that, that author Mitch Album operates in Port-au-Prince. This is an intimate and heartwarming memoir about what it means to be a family and a young Haitian orphan 
whose short life would forever change his heart. I always wondered about Haiti is on an island, and the other half of the island is the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. And the Dominican Republic seems to be doing rather well. You don't hear about them much, and Haiti is one of the poorest, maybe the poorest country in the world, at least in, in our hemisphere. And it's just uh, always amazing to me if it's the history of the governments they've had or what, but Haiti seems to have so many problems and so much poverty. And the Dominican Republic is taking in tourists. You yeah. know, cruise ships stop there, so... Uh, Kind of a strange thing as far as I'm concerned. It is, it is. Don't forget the Thousand Books Before Kindergarten, the Thousand Books Before Kindergarten program at the JPL is designed to be simple and encourage making reading a daily habit. We're looking for more partners to support the Dolly Parton Imagination Library. Stop in and talk to Becky about that. The friends of the JPL, Heartland Technology, Innovative Wealth Management, JPL, Jessup Paint and Auto Body, Jessup Chamber of Commerce, and the Jessup Public Library Endowment Fund are all supporters. If any other businesses would like to partner with us, please contact the library. New bestsellers at the JPL, yes or no, Dale, have you read them? The Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yeros. Nope. Happy Place by Emily Henry. Out of Nowhere by Sandra Brown. Nope. Obsessed by James Patterson. <laughs> nope. Uh, the House Made by Frieda McFadden. Nope. Tw- Twisted Love Trilogy by Anna Wang. <laughs> you know, all those are by women. I very seldom read women authors. <laughs> That's terrible, I know. And James Patterson, I know, is a very popular author. Right. But I've never really gotten into any of his stuff. Uh, I've read a few of them. But, uh, you know, there's some authors that I wait for their books to come out. Yeah. I'm an avid fan. And... Uh, uh, they all of their books I have read, but uh, I've never gotten into James Patterson. And those other books, uh, I'm not familiar with them. Are those all new? Yeah, those are new. Does the those... fly bother you at all? Uh, it, no. does. Okay. it does. It does. All right. Yeah, it does. I don't know why can't come with a fly <laughs> and protect me from Okay. So don't forget, Cowork 591 is our one of our main sponsors. They provide us this this wonderful studio every week and you need to get down and and find out about a membership here talk to kelly Sias as she provides great opportunities for you if if you have any questions call kelly at coworks cowork 591 studios speaking of the public library um becky burke um the the head librarian um who lost her father earlier in the year, mm-hmm. lost her mother also I, I saw recently. that. Uh, um, nice lady. I've talked with her a few times over mm-hmm. the years, and uh, very nice lady. And was involved with the Friends of the Library program, I think, pretty actively, too. Right. So. Yep. Um, Norma J. Westmeyer, 79, of Jessup, Iowa, died Wednesday, August 16th, 2023, at Prairie Hills Assisted Living in Independence, Iowa. Memorial donations may be directed to Camp Courageous of Iowa, the Jessup Public Library, or a charity of the donor's choice in lieu of flowers. Online condolences may be posted at whitemounthope.com. Norma was born January 5th, 1944 in Waterloo, Iowa, the daughter of Norman Harvey Schoonover and Loretta Nell Schoonover. She graduated from Waterloo West High School. On April 11th, 1964, she was united in marriage to Leroy Bernard Westermeyer at Fort Gordon in Augusta, Georgia. Norma worked many years as a sales clerk at Pomida in Independence. 
She later worked as a cashier at the Hawkeye Community College cafeteria. Norma was a member of St. Anthony's Catholic Church and the Catholic Daughters of America in Jessup and Catholic Order of Foresters in Gilbertville. Norma was an avid quilter and enjoyed sewing, playing Scrabble, traveling family and friends. She and Leroy also wintered in Texas for several years. Norma survived by three daughters, Linda Cutsforth of Fairbank, Anne McLean of Fairbank, and Becky Burke of Jessup. Nine grandchildren, Ryan Westmeyer, Elizabeth Kemp, Nicholas McLean, Abigail Sauerbry, Emily Schnell, Allison Burke, Grace Ann Cutsforth, Emma Cutsforth, Sarah Burke, four great-grandchildren, William Kemp, Leo Kempf, Tate Westmeyer, and Isla Westmeyer, two brothers, Roger Schoonover of Waterloo, Iowa, and Keith Schoonover of Florida. She was preceded in death by her parents, her stepmother, Marjorie Schoonover, and her husband, Leroy, who died in January of, two, of this year. White Funeral Home was in charge of arrangement. See, where she's mentioned Camp Courageous there, and you mentioned Camp Courageous last week, mm -hmm. and uh, I want to thank, we had a email from uh, Heather Gray in Ypsilanti, Michigan, and telling about her experiences at Camp Courageous as a, as a worker there. And uh, I'd like to thank her for, for listening and for sending the email. It was the, uh, she had quite some adventures, didn't she? She, she did. Said, yeah. She so. did. She mentioned uh, Jeannie Mueller, literally the, the lady in charge uh, on the ground. Um, Charlie, Charlie is the fundraiser. Yeah, that's what she said. And... Jeannie, Jeannie more or less runs the the camp along with her husband Wayne, who's quite the entertainer. No, Charlie, I met just once. He was at a, a meeting of uh, the Lions Club in uh, Hampton, and my brother-in-law is part of that. And so he invited us over, and so it was a pretty good-sized group. And he spoke to the group, and uh, they sent him. They had a big chicken dinner, I think, every year. The Lions Club there, and sent him, you know, several thousand dollars every year. And uh, he was there to. Kind of thank them and encourage them to keep on doing that. So yes. uh, he was a, a great fundraiser. That's what he is. So. He is. He is. Um, she also had, had some neat stories about going in the cave. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the cave is a unique place. Those of you that <laughs> those of you that like spelunking, I invite you to check out the cave down down in Monticello. Yeah. Dale, you you have some neat things to share with us about the elderly. Well, I don't know if they're neat or not, but uh, uh, two things I heard this past week or so, and that was that our governor sent uh, some National Guard troops from Iowa and maybe some troopers down to uh, Texas to help guard the border. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's using COVID money that we got from the federal government to pay for this. Okay, and then just this morning I heard another quote about uh, Medicaid patients in nursing homes in Iowa, and that Medicaid money comes through the state, and some of it's federal, but some of it's, most of it's through the state as I understand it. But since uh, 2000 or so, uh, Medicaid patients in nursing homes have been getting $50 a month in spending money for the last 23 years. And this last year in the legislature, there was a bill to raise that to $85. And, of course, the bill didn't pass, you know. And I was thinking, wouldn't COVID money make more sense? Because <laughs> $50 doesn't buy anything near what it bought in 2000. And you figure if you bought some Gillette blades and some shaving cream and toothpaste and toothbrush, you could go through 50 bucks really quick. Yep. And, and this is a month. And so uh, 
it bothered me that uh, the way we're treating some of these people. And I remember my Uncle John, John Clendenin in Old Wine, and he'd be reading the newspaper. And he said, ah, man, here's another article about some woman killing her husband. He said, I'm against that, you know. <laughs> and I, and he, you know, I heard that say that so many times. But I'm against people picking out old people right. and just making their lives so miserable. So I did just a little looking. And uh, Iowa nursing homes... Uh, there was five new nursing homes in Iowa in July 2023. Five nursing homes added to the list of the nation's worst care facility. And they're not the only five. They're just the five newest, and then the others kind of moved down. But there are several. If you uh, check it out through the Des Moines Register uh, or other newspapers, they've had these articles. And every now and then you'll find nursing homes in Iowa put on this list. And it's meant to encourage them to get better. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem to. But for five in one month to be added, I thought mm-hmm. that was rather extreme. And so uh, nursing homes having, a, an, an, a, I would say, an association, an organization where they uh, hire lobbyists to lobby our legislature and uh, legislators. And they give t- a lot of money to uh, Republicans, I would say, more than anything else. And it's hard to uh, get anything through the legislature that would be for the benefit of the patients, man who's been writing about nursing homes in Iowa for over 30 years said it's cheaper sometimes instead of hiring a staff member, it's cheaper just to pay the fines that they get, even if the fines are in the tens of thousands of dollars, mm. because you figure you hire somebody so many dollars an hour plus social security and other yeah. you know, And so it was cheaper to pay the fines. And some of them have hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines that take years and years and years to uh, settle, whether they pay them or not. And a lot of times they're whittled down to practically nothing to just even a few hundred dollars. We have so few investigators, and now it's even worse because it used to be the Department of Investigations and something. Well, now, you know, she lumped all those agencies into bigger groups. So now it's just one of four agencies in one group. And so it's even worse. There's even more responsibility there. But it'll take them months to investigate a claim. Uh, like if someone dies because of a certain reason in a nursing home, someone reports that. Well, they come and investigate it and find out what went wrong. And that helps the rest of the people in the home not to suffer that same fate. Mm-hmm. But if it takes you a year to get there, then sometimes several people could die from that same maltreatment while they're waiting for the inspectors to get there. And so uh, there's a real shortage of inspectors, and they keep trying to cut their power to uh, fine or uh, suspend or whatever these different nursing homes. And uh, it's just a, a doggone shame that this is happening in our state and with our elderly. This is the Steve Brown Arts Air Podcast Network. I'm producer Blake Tempest, and I just wanted to let you, the viewers, know that we had some technical difficulties and we lost the audio for the rest of the podcast. However, I will play a ending of an older podcast, and that's why this episode is shorter. Thank you for understanding. If you if you have news or would like to sponsor us, Email us at the at Jim at SteveBrownArtsCenter.org or call 319-290-0241 and leave a message. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jim Gillespie. Thanks to co-host Dale Reber. Our producer is Blake Tempest and Kelly Cias at Cowork 591 Studios. Thanks to the audience for bringing these stray dogs into your day. Remember, each day is about little victories. That's for sure.